Hello. I am so glad to see all of you. Uh, my name is Caleb. I'm part of our Next Steps department here. Um, but I just I want to say that um, y'all look great. I, and I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to see you. I, I, I feel a, a little bit of a kindred spirit with you all. Um, you're my people. I love being here on Wednesday nights and, and helping out and speaking occasionally. But um, those of you here, those of you online, we're all part of a family. And uh, you're my bros. You're my sisters. And, and I appreciate all of you. Um, tonight, <laughs> tonight, um, I have my lovely wife, Anna, here with me. Um, you could give her a hand clap if you want. <laughs> but she brought, she, she is so wonderful. She has uh, brought our four wonderful children um, and tucked them away in the nursery and res kids, and, and they're having fun back there. But um, tonight, what we're going to be talking about is, uh, I've titled this Opportunity and Contentment. Um, back in July, I had an opportunity to share a message with you all, and I feel like through the preparation that the Lord was bringing me through in this for tonight, um, it's, it's in kind of that same realm, um, but it's a next step to that, uh, pun intended, I guess, being part of the next steps group here. But, um, so we're going to be talking about opportunity and contentment, and um, before we start, I just want to pray kind of prepare the soil a little bit because we all come to things from different walks of life and perspectives and experience. So I just want to prepare our hearts for what the Lord has for us. So Father, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts, what you're continuing to do. We thank you that you started a good work in us and will continue that good work until the day that we're with you. We thank you that you love and you care about us, that you created us, that you know us, and that you have something special for each and every one of us tonight. So reveal that to us, help us unpack that, and walk it out in Jesus' name. So opportunity. Um, like I said a moment ago, when, when we uh, come to something, um, we all have different experiences or, or different walks of life. We've gone through different things, and so... Something like language, which is very familiar to all of us, we say one word and it can have many different meanings. You know, just because of connotation, it may not have a specific dictionary uh, different meaning, but we have an experience with words and it's a beautiful thing. Um, I really love word studies. Um, just a single word from the Lord, not even a word as far as like a sentence goes that... that we get many times, but just say one word. You can spend so much time unpacking that because there's these different experiences and things that the Lord can lead us through. So the word opportunity is where I want to focus on tonight. And the dictionary definition of opportunity is just a set of circumstances that make it possible for something to be done or something to happen. Seems pretty straightforward. Um, so what's a set of circumstances? You know, it's, sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's seemingly small and, and mundane things. You know, it's the process of going through a day and all the things that you would go through, waking up, taking a shower, and preparing yourself for the day. 
making breakfast, driving to work, whatever you might do, whether that's school or you're retired, or you have a process, you have a set of circumstances, really at every moment that you're going through throughout your day. You were somewhere before you came here, you walked in the doors, you probably said hi to a number of good-looking people. I did. I said hi to you. Um, we're here. We're worshiping. We're about to listen to what God has prepared really in, in me to deliver to you. And everything is a set of circumstances, right? So everything is an opportunity. Now, when we hear that word opportunity, we can come to it through experience, a lot of times when we think of the word opportunity, we think, great, good things, right? Um, maybe a, a job promotion or, uh, man, I aced that test at school or, uh, hey, man, I scored a date with that beautiful person that, man, I just, I'm so crazy about, right? Um, and, and opportunity, the word kind of has this stigma a little bit, especially in, in Western culture and in America, you know. Uh, wherever you're tuning in online from, maybe you are in the state, local, or another state, or even another country, but we have this thing in America. We call it the land of opportunity, you know, the land of opportunity and dreams. And there's this positive meaning that's attached to opportunity. And I think a lot of times, um, that's where we stay. We stay on this smooth sailing, chance of success, promotion mentality. And I don't think that's bad, but I think that we can't stop there because it's not realistic for what the Lord wants to do in us. Does, I have a question for you now. So opportunity, it's got this positive air about it that we give it. Does opportunity cease as things get hard? You know, maybe something undesirable comes and it's not something we really care to go through or care to even talk about. We just want to like kind of brush it under the rug and forget about it, right? Um, is it a, is difficult opportunity a different type of opportunity than the great opportunity? Because I think, I think really, is there a good opportunity? Is there a bad opportunity? Or, or is opportunity completely and, and entirely outside of, excuse me, is good and bad completely outside of opportunity? What if the things that, um, that happen to me aren't the real opportunity? The good and the bad things that happen to me, those things are external. They're happening to me. They're not happening in me. There's some things that are happening in me while those things are happening to me. But that's where the opportunity, the real genuine opportunity lands. And we're going to unpack this a little bit. Um, I like to think about Paul. I, I really like Paul. I think he's in, in the Bible, um, the apostle. He was a spiritually wise man. And I think about all the hardships and things that he went through. But I think about a lot of the blessings and things that he went through too. Being a traveling missionary and receiving help and support from all of the churches around the area that would, that would host him and meet every need that he had. Um, 
and through his letters to the churches, the epistles, you know, um, Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, what have you, he, um, he kind of lists all of these hardships that he's gone through, you know, floggings and, and shipwrecks and beatings and um, imprisonment many times and poverty and all of these, this big laundry list of things that it's a list of undesirables. Now, certainly they're extreme undesirables, right? We don't, many of us aren't thrown in prison and shipwrecked, you know. Um, but that's, I'm not saying that to say, see, you know, I'll see your life isn't that bad, so just be happy. Um, that's not what I'm saying. Paul, even through those difficult times, and positive times, really, where he, he didn't lack. He, all of his needs were met. He found contentment, it says. And we're going to read this. Um, but I want to say first, we get so, I feel like we get so caught up in thinking sometimes that the things that happen to us are more real, impactful, and significant than the things happening inside of us by the power of God. The things that are happening in us by the power of God are much more real, significant, and impactful than the things that are happening to us. So I want to I park on that a minute and carry that into Philippians 3, 7 through 11. And this is Paul. Um, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, rubbish, trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So this is, he's talking all things, not just the bad, not just the have-nots, but the haves, when he, when he has his needs met and he's being supported and, and life's smooth sailing, even that he's calling rubbish. That's confusing, kind of. Like, you'd think, well, this is where I want to stay all the time, you know? But he's saying, no, like, even, even that's rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Because becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Philippians 4.11-13 or excuse me, 4, 11 through 13 says, For I, this is Paul again, For I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. The good, the bad, the in-between. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then the verse that we all know, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. Through this, though both of these passages, I see Paul saying something very specific to us that I'd like to pick up on. And he's saying that there's a way to be uncontent in having much, right? 
uncontent in, in having little in the trials and the things that we're going through, just like we're singing, we're walking through those. We know, we know God's there with us. But we don't really give a second thought to, the, to the, the positive things even. The Lord's still there with us that whole time. So he, what Paul's saying here is there's a way to be uncontent in having much and a way to be uncontent in having need. He's not even getting into the deceitfulness of riches or the burning desire of greed here. You know, he's not talking about, uh, you know, craving more things. He's talking about, honestly, having things good, still being uncontent. What he's saying is that there's a way to have stuff that can leave you uncontent because you're not focusing on the only thing that matters and the only thing that satisfies, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is your source and your identity in him. He says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. He's talking about I can do all of the haves, I can do all of the have-nots through him who gives me strength, through him who I get my source, my identity from, that's how I can do them. So it's not a, Philippians 4.13, it's not this thing about being able to do amazing feats of strength and, and get this promotion at your job or, or ace that class at school or, or what, whatever good thing you've recently experienced in life. Certainly, Lord, is there with you in those. But what this verse is talking about is that even if you fail in those things, you're going to be okay. Even if you fail, even when hardship comes, your identity in Christ and knowing him, your strength in him, will get you through. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you in the haves and the have-nots. It's about focusing on him. He's still there. Christ is still there and will carry you forward, mature you, and strengthen you and show you who you are in him, and that's what matters. So why does that matter, right? I mean, because we can, like, be experiencing really great things, and, and if we're not a believer or we're kind of, like, not really paying attention to, to who Christ is to us, um, you know, we, why does that matter? Why does it matter who we are in Christ and, and, and what he is doing in us uh, it, it matters far more than the things that happen to us. The reason is because those things that happen to us are temporal. They're temporary. The bad things, they're temporary. The good things, they're temporary. What lasts? My identity in Christ. And that's what strengthens me. So all of these things, these haves and have-nots, I keep pointing over here, so imagine them here, right? And imagine me and my identity, imagine you and your identity in Christ standing here. All of those things, those are external. Those are things that happen to you. Not in you, to you. This, my relationship, your relationship with Christ, your identity, who you are, his spirit flowing through you, that's what matters. And that's over here. And that's internal. That's something that can't be affected by this unless I let it. So i got to be intentional to guard this and make sure that I'm, that I'm chasing the Holy Spirit and, and following where he's leading me through it. 
So I have a question for you. When we're over here and we're on our, our identity in Christ and these things come at us, these, these undesirable things, um, am I any less myself if I uh, fail that class at school? Am I less of myself? No. Am I uh, less of myself when um, I, I, have, I have a really hard day and I'm struggling with uh, uh, anxiety and it reflects in uh, my parenting? And man, I just, I really screwed up parenting. I, I, my, I lost my temper. Uh, I, I wasn't the, the godly honoring leading husband in my home and I messed up. Am I any less myself in my identity in Christ? Did any of me leave? No. Am I any less myself if uh, I get run over by a car and lose a leg? I mean, I guess physically. But am I any less myself because of those things? No. Am I any more myself by getting that promotion? Am I any more of myself when I, I, I come into that money or I get those finances or I, I get that job I'm looking for or I, I get that, that relationship that I'm going for, that marriage, that spouse that I've been looking for? Am I any more myself when those good things come my way? I'm not. I'm still here existing in my relationship and existing in my identity with Christ. And that's what matters. So tell yourself that. When these things come, good and bad, to you, you need to tell yourself that I am who I am in Christ and that's what matters. Say that with me. I am who I am in Christ and that's what matters. Now go find that. Who are you in Christ? What are the gifts and things that he's put in you, that he's planted inside of you, that are there he wants those things to grow, and those things grow as you spend time submitted to him, in the presence of him, following him. That's how those things come. That's how you can remain in Christ and be strengthened and endure all things, as it says in Philippians 4.13. Paul says in, in Philippians 3.8 that we read, I want to know Christ. And in knowing, in that knowing of Christ, every moment is your next opportunity to know him more. Every difficult moment that comes, every good moment that comes, every moment that you're there in the bathroom brushing your teeth, every step that you take, every corner that you turn on your way to work, is a moment in time that you can submit to the Father and see what he has to say about it. He is not just there for the big mentionables. He is there all the time, in everything. I feel like sometimes, you know, the definition of, of opportunity, it's that, that set of circumstances that really just provides the atmosphere for us to be able to do, for something to happen or for us to do something. Sometimes we walk right over opportunities, right? I mean, without even a second, a second thought, we get so busy caught up in what we're doing that we don't submit things to Christ or that we don't even consider 
right? I mean, we can be praying and asking the Lord for, for an answer to prayer or for a word or something, and, and like stones beneath our feet as we're walking on a path, we're walking right over top of these, all of these opportunities that the Lord wants to really do something in us and share something with us and change something. The busyness and worries of life catch us up. In Mark 4, 19, it says, But the worries of this life choke the word, making it unfruitful. That's, I mean, that's hard to hear sometimes. Like we can know the, you mean we can know the word and it can be fruitless in our life simply because we're not focusing on it? Simply because we don't have it here, we don't have it here, we don't have it here before us. We have, we have instead of the word, instead of what Christ is doing, we have the busyness of, of life in front of us and the worries and the cares of life and it's choking the word out of our lives. It's making it unfruitful. We get our minds off of Christ and onto other things that lead to death, and that's why it's unfruitful. And we're all guilty of it, right? I mean, there's times where we're just, we're, we're on autopilot and we're coasting, and it's like things are good, and, you know, there, there's no need to bring anything up because everything's great. I must, I must be just like experiencing a bunch of blessing, right? And you're always blessed, don't, don't hear that. Just because good things are happening, just because bad things are, are happening, that, that, those things are external. They're outside of this. You're always blessed because it's about this. This is what matters. Your relationship, your identity with God, that's blessed. But our next opportunity is right in front of us. So what are we going to do with it? I mean, because, like, this is an opportunity right now. You hearing this. You coming here and worshiping, hearing this, and, and going home. Um, this is an opportunity. But what's, a non, what's it an opportunity for? To present it to the Lord and see what he has to say about it. So when you're at home tonight and you're experiencing something good or you're experiencing something bad or you're kind of not experiencing anything at all, it's really even keel. That's an opportunity to, 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 to submit it to the Lord. Even in the midst of what you're going through. But especially when it's difficult. Even in the midst of it. I said earlier that sometimes we walk over opportunities um, like stones on a path and, and not even thinking twice about it. You know, it's just something that's under our, our, our feet. Isaiah 28.16 um, in the Amplified Version, and again, I like the Amplified Version because there's, there's extra words in there to, that really expands on some of the meaning of, of some of the words that are, that are physically written there. It's, it's got to be the beer. That happened to me last time too. That's all right. <laughs> uh, it says, therefore, the Lord God says this, listen carefully. Pause. Right? Anytime the Lord tells us outright to do something, we should probably listen. When he tells us to listen, we should listen. But then he says, listen carefully. We better really pay attention to what he's about to say. 
And sometimes he says that because it's contrary to what we might think. Listen carefully. Don't just listen. Listen carefully. He says, I am, laying a, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. And we've heard that word before. This is talking about Jesus. A precious cornerstone for the secure foundation firmly placed. He who believes or who trusts in, relies on, and adheres to that stone will not be disturbed or give way in sudden panic. I like the Passion Translation also for the last part. It talks about, uh, it says, those who trust in him and that stone will not act in haste. In this language that's used there, kind of, it, it gives this, this picture, this idea of um, slowing down and considering being wise and being open to receive something. In Psalm 118, uh, this, this is the cornerstone verse. Uh, most of us are probably familiar with it. It says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Again, in Isaiah 8.14, it says, He, again, about Jesus, He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. I love this verse. He's saying, listen carefully. And then, then he's talking like, okay, a rock's in my path that's, that's there to cause me to stumble. And for the people of Jerusalem, Jesus will be a trap and a snare. Those sound like bad things, right? But he's saying, he's saying, listen carefully. So when I think about these things, a stone that causes you to stumble or a rock that makes you fall or a, a trap or a snare that holds you, all of those, those three things make you stop. You're walking, there's a, there's a stone, you trip, you fall, you're down on the ground, you stop. There's a trap, you're snared, you stop, right? So from these verses, we can glean that Jesus is there to stop us, to give us an opportunity to stop, to say, I'm going through something, and I recognize that it's bad, or I recognize that it's good. Hold on, stop. Here you go, Jesus. And we submit it to him, and we allow him to speak to us what he has to say about it, and what he has to say about himself, and what he has to say about us. Right? It's here. Identity. Not there in the externals coming my way. Here in my identity. So uh, these rocks in a path and um, uh, traps and snares. A lot of those things you find in the woods, right? Uh, Ricky, if you want to come up here and, and help me out. I, I like to picture, as, as I'm reading through this, I like to picture the, a path. You know, any hikers in here? Anybody an avid hiker? Okay. Uh, so if you want to sit, just take a seat in the middle there. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't do any training. <laughs> um, so these, these are stones, right? Stones that we seemingly just kind of walk over, 
We're not even thinking about them. We're kicking them. Kicking them even out of our way. So you're walking along and you experience something difficult. And it's like you're praying, you're praying, God, I just want to hear from you. I need a word. Uh, I, I just need some direction here. And you're walking and you come to a, to a stone and it's like, get this out of my way. I'm, trying, I'm walking here. I'm praying. I'm trying to receive something from the Lord. And I'm kicking a stone out of the way. And I'm walking and I'm walking and there's another stone. I come to another thing. Maybe this one's good. Maybe I got that promotion. And it's like, yes, got that promotion. Whoo, I'm loving life. And it's great. And I'm kicking a stone. And then I'm coming and I'm coming and I'm coming and there's a big boulder in my way. Oh, wow. A big strong boulder. You didn't say you were going to attack me. <laughs> but that's, that's markedly bigger than these other things, right? And we can experience some markedly bigger things in our lives. But this, we come to this stone that's been laid in our path. Like Jesus, right? As we saw, he's a stone that's been laid in Zion to, to, to cause us to trip, to cause us to stumble, to cause us to, to, to stop and say, hey, there's something here. And so we can come to the stone in a couple of different ways. We come to the stone and we're like, oh, that's weird. Guess I'll just walk around it. And we continue to move on. And that's something that we can do whether we're... we're we have unbelief, we haven't met Jesus, or like we're just not even really considering anything. Or we can come to this and we can kind of stop and go, well, that's weird. I wonder how that got there. And we can stop for a minute and then move on. And we move on, we move on, and then again, we're up, we're up to the next stone and we just, well, let's get this out of my way. Because I'm, I'm praying, Lord, where are you at? I need something. I just... I just kicked him. I didn't really kick you. I, I just kicked what he's got for me. The way that he wants us to come to him, to experience him, is as we're walking and we, we come to this stone that's been placed in our path, right? That's what scripture says. He's been, he's, he places himself in our path so that we encounter him. Every day. How are you encountering Christ every day? Are you aware of it? He's there to shock us out of our unawareness so that we recognize him in everything. Because all of it, the haves, the have-nots, they're garbage. They don't mean anything. It's this. So what he's looking for us to do... I hope I don't turn my mic off. I'm sitting on it is this. I got this thing. It's tough. And I don't know how to I don't know how to deal with it. But you're here and I'm here and I know that you got something to say about this. What do you have to say about this? What do you have to say about who you are in the midst of this? What do you have to say about who I am in the midst of this? And I can submit it. And I don't have to worry about it. 
it's still there, mind you. He hasn't moved. But then when I'm ready, when he's ready, when, per, when, he's, when the Spirit has done a work of maturity inside of us during that time, during that moment, whether it's a have or a have not, whether it's difficult or great. Thank you. I'll, I'll take that. Souvenir. So after that point where we submit whatever we are dealing with, everything, we submit everything, submit everything, submit everything to the Lord and see what he has to say, see what he's doing in our life. We can then continue walking. And then we continue walking and we notice, right? And we can pick this up. And instead of kicking it, we can then bring it to the Lord, submit it to him, and say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? Where are you inside of this? Because where he is inside of it matters far more than the perceived damage or the perceived benefit from it, whatever it is that we're going through. And we can we then see sight and blindness are opposing things. When you're blind, you can't see, but when you can see, you can see. You can see that you were blind. You can see everything you didn't see. When that, when that sight starts to come, it changes your world. Because then you can start to see every single time that the Lord is speaking to you through your opportunity, which is every moment of every day. And maturity can take place. He grows you. And maturity is just genuine. It's, it's the genuine result of deep correction on a continual basis, on an ongoing basis. Let God mature you. That's how you do all things through him who gives you the strength. You let him strengthen you in the haves and the have-nots because those are temporary. It's a, it's a season. It's a time. This doesn't end. This relationship with the Lord, this identity that I have, I'm going to be with him. It's, it's never going to end. Romans 8.29 says, God foreknew us and predestined us to be conformed into the likeness of his son. So he's constantly maturing us. He's constantly growing us and conforming us into the likeness of his son. But we cannot do that on our own. We don't see the whole picture and we miss things, right? We miss the stones. We're walking right over them. We're kicking them without even thinking about it. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 12 says, When I was a child, again, this is Paul. I love the guy. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There are things in life that we just don't know. There's things in life that we just can't see. We're blindsided by things. They hit us out of nowhere, or we're not paying attention to them, and we're walking right over top of them. 
But I'll tell you who does see everything. Because he's in it. Right? Creation is by, to, from. Like, he's, he's, it was, everything was made through Christ. But we don't see everything. I mean, in John, it talks about Jesus came, and it's not up there, but he, he came and was in, was a, he walked among us, and he wasn't recognized. If you'd close your eyes for a minute, even those of you online, I just want to talk to you for, for a second and, and have you even just listen. You are created by God. You are fully known and fully loved even though there have been some undesired stones and difficult things in your life, he is constantly calling to you, putting himself in your way, providing an opportunity in every set of circumstances to stop, to slow down, and consider. The stones you kick and the stones you walk over don't define you. The external things that come to you, the things that happen to you, don't define you. The only stone that defines you is the cornerstone. The one that created you. And the one that you can do all things through. In the book of James, it tells us to consider it joy when we face trials because the faith that we have in those moments produces perseverance. And perseverance does its work in us and matures us. And we are blessed as we persevere because as we persevere, then we receive God's crown of life. See, everything is a set of circumstances an opportunity to consider, to be content in, and to allow Christ to mature us in. So as you have your eyes closed here, I'd like you to, to consider this question. What is your stone? If you would, picture yourself walking down this same wooded path that we've been talking about. And look down at your feet and see the stone in front of you. Pick it up. Consider, what's the thing that's happened to you? What are you going through? And then picture a man in front of you, Jesus, who loves you, who's placed himself in your path. Hand it to him. Give him your stone. So there's an opportunity right now for Christ to be your stumbling rock. To shock you out of your unawareness 
and to begin moving you forward in a different way, a better way, his way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you recognize this opportunity? Do you have something to submit to him? Because we all do. At every moment, every set of circumstances, every opportunity. If you recognize this opportunity and want to start moving forward in that new way, just say this after me. Jesus, I'm sorry for rejecting you and kicking your stones in my life. Here's my stone. Show me your way, the better way. Thank you for my identity, who you created me to be, and who you died to redeem. I thank you that you've heard my prayer. I thank you that you're here and in every circumstance, maturing me and teaching me the way I should go. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for what you've done here tonight. I thank you for doing a work in our lives and planting a seed in our hearts. I thank you for this opportunity, Father. I thank you that you care enough, you love us enough to give us every opportunity to come to you boldly, confidently, that we are more than conquerors in all of these things because of you who loves us. I thank you for that love. I thank you for sealing your truth in our hearts and calling to remembrance these things and breaking our unawareness. Jesus, lead and guide us in these days as we go. Mature us. Show us our identity. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And tonight, I mean, going through this, if, if any of us is new, I mean, in worship, we, we spent some time visualizing some things in here. If, I don't know if you saw anything or felt anything. We're here to, to, to walk with you, to help you unpack that, even online. Um, people are online to do this with you or to call the church or just contact someone. We, we're here together. We've experienced these things on our own. And we're here today because we've given our lives to Christ and we're walking with him. And we want to walk with him with you. So if there's anything that you saw that you want just help talking about or unpacking, we're, we're up here.